eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And now, a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Saturday, May 29th. It is a long weekend and I have a special guest for you. Gang, I love this woman so much. She's psychotherapist Esther Perel. And she has really changed my life in the way that she actually has fantastic conversations with people. She's got two different podcasts. The one that she'll be talking about now is the one that's just launched a new season called How's Work. But, you know, she's also a couples therapist. She wrote two New York Times bestselling books, Mating in Captivity and The State of Affairs. And she also has a podcast called Where Should We Begin? Uh, It's just, it's fantastic. And um, when you hear her, yes, she has an accent. She's Belgian. You're going to hear her story, but you're going to get used to it. It's a great rhythm. She's wonderful. She's so smart. And in this first part of the interview, we talked about an episode from the first season of How's Work where we listen in on two partners in a business who are basically splitting up as partners. So it's almost like listening to a therapy session that's happening and you get to hear her comments and you also get to hear each person give his or her side of a story. And so I think she's fantastic. I really encourage you to check out all of her work. Here is the phenomenal Esther Perel. 
I want to get right into it. So we are about to get your next season of How's Work. And I'm wondering, can you compare season one and season two and frame that in the pandemic era for us? Season one for How's Work for me was a statement that said, you know, I've been exploring relationships for decades in my practice, in my other podcast, Where Should We Begin? And I have focused more on romantic relationships in that podcast. And yet we all come to work with a relational diary, you know, a history of relationships, messages that we got, skills that we developed or didn't develop over time. And they show up with us. They don't just stay at the door and they influence the way that we relate to work. And I, in my practice, have worked with people around work issues all the time. But this would be an exploration of the relational dynamics in the workplace. Then comes the pandemic. What starts to happen is that all these big topics that have been under the surface, money, competition, jealousy, burnout, stress, trust issues, racial issues, sexual harassment issues, gender, they all appear like that on the surface. And people say, we want to have conversations about that, but not as it pertains to the society at large, but as it is affecting me or me and a few people directly in the workplace. And we want you to help us facilitate these difficult conversations about these big topics that prevent us from continuing to work together or to stay friends together or to be married together. I was so fascinated in the first season when you had the two business partners and there was clearly one guy getting pushed out of the business. Oh. And uh, I, I found that so interesting because I think there are so many people, whether you're a business partner or not, or you're just a colleague and you sort of feel like you're getting elbowed out. What kind of anxiety does that create in somebody? And by the way, don't many people just bring that anxiety home and, you know, sort of barf it out on your spouse? <laughs> So it's so interesting that you're asking about this couple because we just actually received a long letter from one of the partners and, you know, they ran a communications company and they were incapable of communicating with each other. And his sentence is exactly what you say. You're inching me out. He slowly begins to realize that while he is still very much committed to this co-founder relationship, and it was once he who led the charge and who covered up for the other or who took his partner under his arm, that there is no reciprocity and that he is about to be scratched out of the company pictures, basically. You know, you see it and you don't want to believe it. So you continue to talk about as if life goes on, our relationship continues while the other one is basically already on their way out. No different from other pairs, actually. When one person is still holding on and still talking as if they're in the field and the other one has long left the field. Mm. So what do you feel? Exclusion, rejection, meaninglessness, things that make you wonder what was all of this about? Did it ever mean anything? Did I ever matter? Was this ever for real? Was the whole thing a lie, a break of trust? betrayal, deception. You begin to see that the words even that I use to describe these work relationships are no different 
from the relationships among friends or lovers, partners for life. A breach of trust is a breach of trust. And, you know, it's so hard to recapture it. And, you know, I've been on the um, the losing end of a battle to get uh, for a company. I thought the biggest advantage I had was that unlike my business partner at the time, he really wrapped himself in this blanket of this is my baby. And I'm like, it's a business. Calm down. It's not a baby. You have four babies at home. And this is a business. And so I always felt a little bit ashamed that I hadn't considered it a baby. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I wasn't attached to it in the same way. And I and I actually got criticized by him because I wasn't. But I felt like when I did get kind of the shove out that it didn't shatter me. Whereas I hear from others who are completely shattered, as you said, like a jilted lover, like what were the last 15 years if this is how I'm treated now. Who am I That's right. without my work? So how is work and identification and the way that we describe ourselves and who we are in work, how has that changed even maybe since you began your practice? You know, I used to say that for a long time, work was a production economy. Yeah, you worked the land and you needed a lot of hands to work that land. And so you also needed a lot of children and because they were an economic asset and so forth. And then we moved to a service economy. And then slowly I began to hear sentences. You know, I want to feel like a sense of belonging. I want a sense of purpose. What are you passionate about? I have passion to my work. I then began to call it an identity economy. It's mm. like the people turn to work as they turn to romantic relationships today with a set of existential needs for belonging, for meaning, for purpose, for identity, for growth, for becoming the best version of myself that they used to turn for in traditional religious communities or communities of all sorts. Because these traditional structures have become much weaker, and because we have much less of a sense of community, work has really become the hub for that. Plus, in the West, we marry, in average, about 10 years later. Marry, commit, you know, begin family life. So that means that for 10 years, basically, 15 years, people's primary structure, the, which for, the one for which they move, the one for which they relocate, for which they leave all their other friends and family, etc., is work. Mm. When you've given up everything for work, if work doesn't respond reciprocally, you feel jilted, you feel bereft, you feel like I gave you everything and this and you took it all and you gave me back nothing. You never valued it. You shatter my sense of confidence and my sense of self-worth. The more people are able to maintain friends, children, family life, artistic pursuits, other hobbies, political activism, you name it, things that connect them to other things that give them purpose and meaning, when you then lose, lose your job, it doesn't feel good, but you do not feel like your entire sense of self has been shattered. How do you feel as a therapist when you hear the big corporations or small ones who say, be your authentic self at work? And, you know, bring your whole self to work. I always thought that was nonsense. You know, so I'm a gay woman. I'm out. I came to CBS later in life. So it was easy. I was already out. But it's asking a lot of people to be the, bring their authentic self to work. What does that mean to you? And how can people take that message in and get something out of it? When people say, I want to bring my whole self to work or bring your whole self to work. My first thought is always you already do. It's just that it's unconscious. 
you know, and if I start to really ask you about your relational diary, and I ask you about the messages that you got about the meanings of relationship, and particularly when I explore the questions about loyalty and autonomy or self-reliance and interdependence, which is a basic framework for how we create a self and other relationship, basically people bring their whole self to work. It's like when people say, I want you to tell the truth. <laughs> Before you speak, always say, what will be the consequences? So if people say, I want you to bring your authentic self, especially if you're a lesbian woman in a, in a company, you know, what is the consequence? Mm -hmm. If the consequence is there are many others, there is a whole support group here, we know, we, you know, we welcome people, etc. Then, you, you know, then you don't make a statement. It's just in passing. You say, I'm bringing my partner to she, mm -hmm. you know, done with the conversation. But if the consequences is you will be tagged, whatever the tag will be about the thing that heightens difference or can be threatening or is other, you know, before you say, you know, tell the truth and bring your authentic self, you say, in which, in which ocean am I swimming? It's like, I want to swim with my eyes closed. That's very easy to do when I know that there is no shark coming my way. Things take place in a context. These statements that are done like that blatantly, you know, without specificity to them, without any context, make very little sense. Okay, we are just concluding the first episode of a three-parter with Esther Perel. So that's your, that's your therapy session for today. Tomorrow, we're going to continue the journey. She is so great. If you've got a question, I'm always happy to get your questions about business and partnerships and, and even talking about difficult issues with your, your life partner. I think that these are really the sources of so many conflicts. We'd love to get to the bottom of them. So if you have a question, send us an email, ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. Guess what? This is the first day where we do a different show close. So we're just going to go with our mantra, which is grit, growth, grace, and a little bit of gratitude. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. <laughs>